Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Bob Varsha, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. All right, gearheads, welcome to Speed City F1 on Sirius XM. We are really excited to bring you this show today after watching the Qatar Sprint Race and Max Verstappen win the championship, his third consecutive championship. Wow, really excited to talk to you guys about this. This is John Massengale. I am in the studio in Austin, joined by my friends Dave O'Neill, who's out at Circuit of the Americas today, and Chris Medlin, who is out at Qatar. But I want to start with you, Dave O'Neill, just to say hi, and uh, what do you think about this incredible victory? Uh, you know, we we got to talk about the victory from Oscar Piastri, but but I want to start with Max Verstappen because this third consecutive championship is amazing. Yeah, good afternoon, good morning. Um, good to be back. Um, but yeah, what a fantastic day for Max, Red Bull, his whole team, uh, and Holland as well. You know, um, they got some superstar yeah. there they can be proud of uh, for years to come, I should think. But yeah, I mean, you, you have to look at his season and you have to try and find a mistake. And I think, you know, he didn't make any, many, maybe one. Um, and the team just put a, a, you know, a perfect car underneath oh, him. Um, and he, he 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 did what he needed to do. He he went out, he, he did the FP1, FP2s, got the car set up correctly. He went out, he qualified, put it at the front out of trouble and he got good starts, kept out of trouble and he was gone. You know, he did exactly what he needed to do. And um, masterclass, we should say, really, I guess. Uh, it's really true. And I, you know, it's just a an amazing accomplishment. But I'm going to go out to Chris Medlin because he's out in Qatar in windy, humid and dark Qatar. Chris, how's it going out yeah. there? Yeah, dark Qatar is um, helpful because it's been damn hot. It's been nearly as hot as Texas uh, for most of the <laughs> week. Uh, yeah, it's been very, very hot here. Um, and we've kind of struggled when it's been daylight but fortunately it's become a, a more normal temperature now it's nighttime, uh, and i think the drivers still i'm, I'm watching uh, Valtteri bottas talk to the print media right now and he's got a cool vest on and a cold towel around his neck in the car it must be a real real workout even just a sprint race so uh temperature is getting very very high in fact all the drivers seem to have cool vests on so they've uh, been earning their money even in the short race so goodness knows how they're going to handle tomorrow but uh yeah there was uh, a nice buzz max just went over to the press conference to do uh, the top three who want to obviously speak about his championship. And as he came across uh, the paddock, everyone following him, chasing him, cameras everywhere, flashlights going off. Um, yeah, you could you could tell he was the star of the show, but hopefully it doesn't overshadow what Oscar did because what a drive that was. What a performance actually just today. Uh, just yeah. clinical, clean, not flustered. So mature for, for a kid so young and inexperienced, really. You know, Chris, I was telling Dave right before we went on air is that after yesterday's uh, pole position, I was looking through the photos for a good photo of Oscar Piastri smiling, and they're not that easy to find. And I, and I don't mean that as a bad thing. I think that's just indicative of his, he's like a machine. He's just emotionless. And, you know, he, he, I think that's just part of what makes him great, because I think we're witnessing the beginning of an amazing career right now. Yeah, absolutely. I actually was uh, stood with Mark Webber on the grid before the sprint started uh, and had a chat with him about it. And he said it's just the way Oscar's so calm. He doesn't get flustered. It, it, everything he just takes in his stride, 
He doesn't let things work him up too much. And the only thing Mark has said to him is, look around you, starting from this position. The guy to your right, which was Lando Norris, six years of experience in F1. The guy directly behind you, Max Verstappen, two world titles, but eight years experience. You can't worry about their achievements because you haven't been here so long, but you also can't expect to have the knowledge bank that they have yet. So don't overstress it. And talking of overstressing it, there was a point in the middle of that race where Red Bull kind of warned Verstappen not to push his own car too hard because they're worried about the tyres. He's Max is saying, well, Oscar's getting away. Uh, and he's like, well, don't care about him. Let it come to you. Well, Oscar was, was pacing it perfectly because Max never got to him. Uh, really, really, really impressive stuff. And it's a bit scary, actually. Mark Webber said, I, I, I'm excited and, and slightly scared to see how good he'll be at 30 uh, because, <laughs> yeah, he's got a, a lot of time ahead of him to gain that experience and he's already got the maturity to go with it. Yeah, it's really, really amazing. And and Dave, I I do want to ask you about, um, you know, I know you former Haas F1 team manager, you stay really closely connected with Gunther and the and the team. Not a great day for them. You know, Magnuson again didn't get get through um Q one and and uh and of course that collision with uh that that was a tough call because that was Checo and Hulkenberg and um Ocon and they all three came together it was a pretty violent crash actually and more so than I thought though at first glance but it just kind of looked like a bit of a racing incident and and I know you weren't in front of the screens at that point but I know you're probably disappointed for your friends at Haas yeah it looked I mean from what I'm reading it looked like a three into one which didn't go um and um yeah you, you know the, the, those sort of uh those sort of moves happen you know they everyone's waiting for the other guy to back out or seeing if you can you can get them on the brakes uh, etc and of course you know the, there's only one part of the circuit that has the grip and that's the line so any if you move away from any of those that if you move away from the line um and you try and use the brakes especially out there in Qatar with the sand that's on the circuit that gets blown in you have no grip at all so you know what was probably a a decent move at Barcelona or something like that. It was just um, probably a little bit um, on the uh, adventurous side, should we say, for for Qatar, knowing the the lack, lack of grip offline. But um, yeah, disappointing day for Haas. Um, I mean, you you know, the Magnussen was what twenty twenty five seconds um, off the front. Um, yeah, it's a huge amount of time when you look at it. So something not quite going right there. Um, I do believe they have a new package coming into Cota, so we uh, we can only cross our fingers and hope that that um, that package works um, and um, and puts them further up the grid. But yeah, disappointing as you say, John. Yeah. Hey, Chris, what do you think about that? Those three coming together like that. You agree that it was mostly racing incident? I didn't see any big blame. Yeah. No, I certainly did. I'm actually trying to stalk um, Espen Ocon right now for when he comes out of the media zone to see if we can. Get his take on it, but from my point of view, it looked like because they were three wide and Ocon had just made the move on Hulkenberg, he didn't know that to the right was uh Perez on the other side of Hulkenberg, so he was trying to open up turn two. Here we go, let's see if we can grab him. He's gonna scoot out the back, so I'm gonna have to run. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can see if, if my opinion tallies with his, which is was it a case of opening up that corner or trying to open up that corner? Uh, Oh, he's actually got more TV interviews to do, so I've cut him off, and he's not even coming there yet, um, which is a shame. But uh, yeah, I, I get the feeling he was trying to open that up, expecting Hulkenberg to give him a bit more room. And because Nico was um, unable to go further right because Checo was there, 
but Esteban didn't know Checo was there. That's why three into one didn't go. And and yeah, it's, it really is one of those that you can't really legislate for. You get the perfect combination. And with a bit of luck, Hulkenberg would have been able to just back out in time uh, and, and avoid contact between all three. But sadly, that didn't quite come to pass. Mm. Well, I do want to circle back to what Verstappen and Red Bull have done. And by the way, we got lots to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Andretti situation uh, in addition to all the Qatar goings on. But uh, but circling back to Red Bull and what they've done, I mean, this third consecutive championship for for Verstappen and the dominance of this car, you know, he had he set the record for you know, 10 consecutive victories and who knows he could continue to grow that. And, um, the, uh, actually, no, he, he can't continue to grow that one because of Oak for uh, Carl Sainz. But the point is, is that it's just been an amazing season for Red Bull. And I, I mean, we talk about history and we just are watching it right now. I mean, Chris, don't you think this is just something that we all have to just step back and, and realize what, what, what we're seeing a, a little bit, yeah. Something that um, Lewis Hamilton said on Thursday was exactly that. He said that Rebel have raised the bar, uh, and the way he's managed to do that, um, or the team managed to do that, really does deserve a lot of credit. So uh, it kind of now is the standard that everyone has to go and beat. Teams tend to do this, don't they? They go through phases, and and each one progressively just improves on what the last one has done, uh, and everyone has to then catch up. So yeah, it's been mightily impressive. Bit of an underwhelming way for it to be one, isn't it? One in a sprint, but two with Checo being involved in an incident that wasn't his fault at all or his doing. Um, was a bit of a shame, but uh, yeah, it's one of those where it was inevitable and the championship wasn't won or lost today, was it? It was it was won or lost, probably over the winter when Red Bull developed this car. And then it sounds like in Baku, the way Verstappen has spoken, when he really learned how to get the most out of it and went on that incredible run of consecutive victories. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it's easy. I'll, I'll take a little, uh, give give myself a break because it's easy to forget that we've had another victory because Red Bull's been so dominant. You know, it, it's been, it was great to see Carlos Sainz win this, uh, win back in Singapore. But having done what they have done, it's just just insane. Uh, the the level that Red Bull has taken it. You know, we we had the the incredible run by Mercedes few for the leading up to the Red Bull dominance now but I mean this season in particular and Dave I mean just coming from a team manager standpoint how are how are you reacting with the rest of the team on such a season right now you, you mean you know with the do, you, you're talking about the dominance of Red Bull yeah I mean if you're in yeah. that team you I mean you're just in a different zone you know so you have um you know there's so many fractions to the team. You've got the the crew that are doing the pit stops. They're on a different level. So, you know, you other teams are making decisions around trying to beat Red Bull in the pit stop because they're like, this isn't going to happen. So we have to beat them, beat them on the track. You know, so when you come and try and do an undercut, it's not possible. They're, the factory's on a high, you know, the engine, the, the power unit they've put together, everything's singing properly there. Every every upgrade they're putting on the car is working. You know, it's not all the time you put an upgrade on the car and it works. It just doesn't happen. But the you know, Red Bull have this. They've joined it together. They have a process in place that seems to work. Um, a very very successful process. Um, and they you know they keep their staff so the secrets aren't um, 
pulled out into other teams, you know. So there's uh, there's a lot of continuity there, and and that's what you you're kind of after over the years is to keep those fundamental group of people together. So you have that, you know, you have that day in, day out, year Sorry after. Sorry to cut year, you off, Dave. You know? I've, I've managed to stalk Esteban long enough, and he's uh, agreed to speak. Um, Esteban, I wanted to get your take first on the incident that that ended your sprint today. It looked very much like three into one didn't go, and that you obviously didn't know Checo was on the outside of that package. Yeah, I mean, I think first of all today, um, you know, as I said to to all of these guys there, I think, uh, you know, my race doesn't really matter. I think the most important is is to congratulate Max on an incredible season. Um, you know, he's done uh, an amazing job. He's been uh, an inspiration for for us all, um, racing for many years uh, with him and against him and. Uh, you know, I've seen uh, how great uh, of a talent he is. So, uh, yeah, uh, he can be um, proud of himself. And, and I wish him, you know, many more successes. The same with, with Oscar uh, winning his first race today. I think it's it's great to see a, a rookie stepping up like that and, and performing super well. So I wish him uh, many more successes, more than Paddle. Um, yeah, I think he's better at racing than Paddle. But, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's great to see. On, on my side, yes, um, you know, we had a good race. We had a good start, um, you know, from P10 to P7. But uh, unfortunately, we were falling down quite quickly, uh, down the orders. Um, you know, we were degrading fast. And, uh, you know, from, from there on, uh, I was more on the defensive side than the attacking side. We are three abreast. I received a touch from, uh, from the right-hand side. And, uh, and, yeah, the race was unfortunately over from there. So, you know, there's time uh, for us to catch up tomorrow. We can still score some points. So uh, we, are, we have a decent starting position. So, yeah, I'm looking forward. Oh, good luck and very gracious of you. Well said. Yeah, Chris, that was exactly the word I was thinking. It was very gracious of him to, to congratulate both Max and Oscar. And he didn't sound like he was, um, you know, ready to blame someone for that three into one. I think it just happened. and it, it, But it did look pretty violent, didn't it, Chris? Yeah, there was just when you get, I mean, partly because the cars are just about to get loaded up to turn left at that point, And you get a, a hit on the right rear. It's kind of the wrong way around, isn't it, for um, for. Esteban's point of view. I mean, quite often you might see it where um, if you are the car turning in, then it'll be your left rear that would get hit into a left-hander and, and you get like an orthodox spin. So, uh, yeah, it gets sent the other way. It was a bit strange. And then obviously Perez with a big old hole in, uh, in the side of that car as well. He was waving quite frantically, wasn't he, to try and get, uh, try and get the marshals over to him um, to, uh, to extinguish that car. Now, I've just lined up uh, next in line behind a certain Christian Horner uh, who is sporting... Another T-shirt. Do you remember last time we had him on the show and it was in Suzuka and I described the T-shirt he had on then that was the Constructors' Champion one? Well, now it's uh, a circular logo that says Max Verstappen, champion with the stylized number three in the middle. So Verstappen usually running 33, isn't it, when he's not world champion on his car? And it's that style of three uh, and the three world titles, I... consecutive world titles he's got with uh, with three stars at the bottom. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, a nicely uh, nicely done T-shirt that they had a lot of time to prepare, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I think they, I think that F1 TV used it on uh, that little uh, vignette that they did after the end of the race. I saw that logo, but yeah, keep keep in line with Mr. Horner. Um, I I definitely we, we got to talk about McLaren because number one, we touched on at the beginning of the show what amazing Oscar Piastri. I mean, the beginning of a Formula One career that you know has been led up to with a fantastic career. Let's not forget what he's done before here, you know, winning all the championships before, but, but the team itself, I mean, Chris, I know for sure they were down in ninth 
and to to be where they are now and and who knows with with your uh, time to ask john but i'm going to cut you off because i've got christian now and christian two two consecutive race weekends in a row to celebrate two titles how special is number three for max that's massive i mean max now joins some illustrious names of brabham of senna of louder or of, of sir jackie stewart um nelson Piquet. you know there's some massive names that he's now joining and uh yeah, we're just tremendously proud of him. I mean, yeah, very, very impressive as well. But you know it's been coming. What do you think you've seen for Max this year that maybe builds on what he's done in the past? I think he's just taken it to another level. And, uh, you know, we're hugely, uh, hugely proud. I think he, the, the exciting thing is continuing to, to evolve and get, get even stronger. Now, how do you celebrate on a Saturday night? Well, you know, you get to, uh, it's important to enjoy the moment as a team. And I think we get together and... Uh, we just celebrate this moment and then uh, focus on the Grand Prix for tomorrow. I was going to say, c- competition from McLaren tomorrow? Yeah, they were quick today. Thank you. Well done. Huh. Yeah, w- what's he going to say at that point? Uh, he's um, a lot more magnanimous with a, a, a couple of championships instructor and driver under his belt. But but we're all excited to see McLaren <laughs> competitive. And you know what? Let's Let's take a break and then we'll talk about McLaren, Oscar Piastri, Lando Norris, and what they've done this season. You're listening to Speed City F1, back after these messages. All right, we're still live on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Let's see what the boys and girls are saying out there. Kevin Kelly says, awesome for Oscar. Um, T.W. says he wishes the races were a little longer. Really exciting race. I saw a really great comment from. Um, let's see Tomorrow's race will be longer. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. There's a good comment about just the, the, the last. No, it was Andy P. The last three laps that Oscar did once Max got to P, P2 was amazing stuff. Had to be nervous as hell in that car, but you could not tell. Yeah, Andy, that's what we were saying about Oscar earlier is that he is just, you know, such cool, calm cookie. You know, he's just amazing. Oh, TW with the hot take. Piastri will have the career Mark Webber never had. Come on now. Let's see what else here. Well, don't forget, though, that is aided by Mark, who I'm actually watching right now talk to Andreas Seller. Um, and I'm going to try and stalk them both. How long's our break? I'll see if either of them will talk, actually. Okay. They're having a, they're having a good shimwagon. I'll see if I can get in the eye line of either of them to grab them straight out of that. Hmm. Another good one from Andy P. says, Coda will, could be wild. I've been saying that McLaren would have a chance to get a win there. The first race after the championships are decided are usually crazy. Yeah, that's a good point. Tomorrow? Yeah, that one could be. Tomorrow could be. Um, gloves are off now, aren't they? In that sense, yeah, that's true. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see. Mike Bowles, best racing of the he says of the race, those last three laps. Yeah, best racing of the race, those last three laps. They were fantastic, wasn't it? All right, coming back. Hi, this is Max Steppen, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Welcome back. 
We are celebrating Max Verstappen's championship third in a row. We are celebrating Oscar Piastri's first ever win in Formula One at the sprint race. And we were talking about McLaren and what they've done this season. And Chris, you know, we were talking early, early on in the season about all these things and and just really thinking that McLaren, I did, I, I would have never dreamed that they could have come this far. And Zach Brown was saying it early days. He was saying, we're not ready, but we're going to get there, you know, which is kind of what they always say. But this has really been stunning, hasn't it? It has been stunning. And uh, you time yourself perfectly there, John, because Andrea Stellas is with me now. And we're just saying in the studio, Andrea, there's been a stunning turnaround for McLaren this season, not only with what you did in Austria to get back to competitiveness, but to keep building on that. And today, throughout qualifying for the sprint and then throughout the sprint, you just looked like the quickest package. How have you continued to, to get to this level? Um, I think today, in fairness, in qualifying, we were uh, very, very close with Verstappen. The fact that he had uh, a lap deletion in his first attempt, I think he made him cautious in the second attempt. Yesterday, he had already shown that he is uh, possibly the quickest car here. So we, we are realistic, but very encouraged, obviously, by this performance that was then confirmed in the sprint event. In terms of, um, you know, the journey that we are in, there were two fundamental steps. One is the upgrade we took to Austria and the other one is the upgrade we took to Singapore. They were the two big steps from a lap time and competitiveness point of view, plus some more uh, uh, adjustments here and there, uh, especially in terms of um, aerodynamic parts. So this is effectively what made this possible. And behind these uh, upgrades, there is uh, a very strong group of people. You know, and um, as we always say, empowering the talent is the main thing we did. And I would like to thank uh, everyone, every single uh, men and women at McLaren for uh, it's it's about people, really. You know, when you ask me, how did you? It's about people. So thanks, everyone in the team. And uh, hopefully we can uh, keep this up for some more time. Well, talking about harnessing talent, what about the talent that is Oscar Piastri? And what do you make of his performance today? Because that wasn't straightforward. And at times he was coming under fire from the soft tire runners and then calmly made his way back to the front. So we were um, somehow expecting that uh, uh, had there been some uh, soft starters, there could have been a, some trouble at the start. But we also knew that uh, um, this soft tire would have struggled. We did some continuous laps uh, this afternoon on the soft, and we saw that they were degrading quite rapidly. So it was all about staying calm. And, uh, you know, like even if they overtake, uh, we will re-overtake. So just stay out of trouble and actually keep managing our own tires because even the medium tires were graining. So it wasn't so there wasn't so much margin on the compound that we were using. But both Oscar and Lando did this uh, very well. We are very proud of our drivers and delighted that Oscar has added another uh, historical moment to his career after the first podium, now the first P1. And for the team, first and third, big points gained on Aston Martin as well in the Constructors' Championship. Tomorrow, you start from 6th and 10th. Can you, I don't think, maybe replicate this result? That might be ambitious, but can you get yourself back towards podium contention from there with this car? I think you are very right. It sounds very, very ambitious tomorrow to repeat anything like today, even because we don't have to forget that uh, people around us will not be on the softs. And therefore, it won't be so easy to make uh, positions, make up positions. So, um, 
we are realistic, you know. Again, we want to say out of trouble. I think the pace of the car is such that uh, over the course of the race, we should be able to make up positions. But for me, a podium at the moment looks like uh, quite far. Well, the other thing that's been quite far for pretty much everyone up and down this paddock this season has been Max Verstappen. He's wrapped up his third Drivers' Championship. Just a word on his achievement and, I guess, the target that he's now set for you guys to chase. Well, what uh, Max Verstappen and Red Bull are doing this season is uh, it's just um, an absolute reference in the history of Formula One. I think their uh, stats, their numbers, their achievements, they speak for themselves. I can only say heads off to both uh, Max and Red Bull. It's, if anything, even more of a motivation for us to go and chase them and hopefully start and, you know, uh, reduce a little bit their uh, score and get something for us. Well, we look, well done for them. We look forward to watching you do the chasing because it's been very entertaining recently and well done today. Thank you very much. Hey, Dave O'Neill, I want to ask you something. Something Andrea Stella was saying that kind of struck me. It's like, uh, really just about the upgrades, right? I wonder if if we're going to start seeing, is this going to be like an upgrade era? Because we saw Aston Martin go from last year to this year, just almost as stunning. And then the amazing uh, upgrades that have been done by McLaren. But we're also, you know, we're, we're starting to see, um, you know, Williams increase. And so all these teams are doing uh, some upgrades that are making a difference. Next week, two weeks in, in uh, Coda here in Austin, we'll see Haas bring some and maybe they'll have a big increase. Do you think that it has anything to do with the downforce era, the the cost cap, this just this era of technology? What do you think is is making the difference? Well, yeah, I mean, it's a very interesting topic question as well, is that um, when you do an upgrade, especially now, you can't test it on the track. You can only race it. So anything that people bring to the circuit, they have to have 99%, um, you know, 99% positive that they will, that this upgrade will work because it's not like the old days where you could throw throw things on the car and hope it works and take it off. And, you know, so everything that you're making at the factory or testing at the factory uh, in the wind tunnel, CFD, um, you have to head towards the direction that it has to be right before it goes to the track. So that's the first thing, I guess. Um, and then the second thing is that understanding your base model, if you like, you have your base model car, just like you would in any, any OEM, um, and then they bring out an upgrade the following year. So understanding what they're after, what tracks they're going to, whether they're high-speed tracks, um, you know, medium medium speed or slow speed like Monaco, um, you have to pick your battles. And if you don't have a decent base car, you've then got to go, okay, well, maybe we'll focus on the fast-speed stuff, Suzuka, Monza, etc. And that, you know, you just don't quite know the strategies of each of the teams. And then if you have enough clever people in the room, um, like Red Bull tend to have, and being able to organize them, you can strategize your upgrades. Um, and then I think that's 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 how the thinking of F1 has gone to making sure that everything goes on the car works. And that's why we're seeing these huge leaps, because the teams have got the confidence to put them put them on the car and see, you know, you see the gains that we're seeing. Just speaking of huge leaps, actually, I'm going to jump in there because we've seen, yeah, car performance get very, very strong through this year. 
And one issue that has cropped up this weekend has been to do with the tyres at this circuit, uh, which we haven't touched on yet. But I've got Mario Isola from Pirelli with me now. Uh, so, Mario, can you just explain uh, essentially what's happened over the past two days that has caused you a few headaches, I guess? Uh, every time we get uh, any setback, uh, we analyze it uh, on track. We have laboratories with uh, the possibility to check the tire, cut them, and analyze each uh, element of the construction, also with a microscope. So what happened yesterday after free practice was that uh, uh, some uh, very small separation in the topping compound were visible, and they are due to impact, uh, uh, strong impact uh, with a high frequency. So it is something we can correlate quite uh, well with the uh, impact on the curbs. Uh, if I show you a tire in the section from yesterday, you cannot see anything. So it's not, uh, uh, it's not broken at the sidewall, but uh, it is uh, an, an effect that we know quite well from two years ago. Here in Qatar, we had a similar problem with similar curbs. So we immediately informed the FAA about uh, the potential issue. And that's why we started to talk about uh, track limits. Uh, that is a good way to avoid the running too hard on the curves. These curves are also in other circuits. So it's not a, a curve that you can find only in Qatar. The problem is that here you have uh, the length of the curb, the time they spend running over the curb, and the speed. It's a, a combination of elements uh, that are creating this uh, additional uh, impact uh, on the tires and therefore the damage is not fatigue it's something different that's why we didn't raise the pressure it's not about the pressure with the pressure we can do and nothing well so what happened overnight was then the track limits i think were brought in by 80 centimeters at a couple of corners to try and keep drivers off the highest part of the curbs which were newly installed for this year's race weren't they you, you had these curbs two years ago but they were Almost like the secondary part, is that right? Yeah, they were different. Uh, you had the two rows of uh, curves. The first one was uh, low profile curves, and the second one was with this with a geometry that is very similar to the current one. Now they have uh, a bit wider curves, but only one row with this uh, end uh, with this shape of pyramid. That obviously is like uh, uh, when you run over the curb, you have a small deformation of the thread. And uh, you hit with the sidewall, the the, the the top of the pyramid, and that means it's like you take a hammer, a hammer, and you hit the tire like uh, 100 times per second, uh, very strong uh, in a very strong way. And after many laps, uh, you start to initiate the damage. So what happened tonight? Because I know you were going to look at what happened in terms of the sprint, but we had some safety cars in there, so. I guess you're trying to analyze to see if that problem's gone away now with the changes that are made today? That's the target, but as you said, we had some safety cars uh, that are making our uh, job a bit more difficult. Uh, some of the drivers uh, started on used tires, and so we focus on tires with a higher number of uh, higher mileage. Uh, we are just uh, uh, receiving the tires from Parferme, so we need a uh, few hours to analyze them. Well, well, we'll check in tomorrow and we'll see how it's gone. But thank you very much for the explanation. And just for me to quickly follow up before I'm sure we need to uh, move on on that topic. But uh, what's already been outlined will happen if there's still a problem with the tyres after today is that there will be a maximum stint length imposed of 20 laps for a set of new tyres or 22 for a set of used because that won't be that you can run 22 in a row. That will be that they were used in qualifying, but the in and out lap is normally very slow. So you get two extra laps for that reason. Uh, and... 
with that maximum stint length, there will be a mandatory three-stop minimum race. So mm. teams will have a very different strategic challenge. That will be defined overnight. So we'll have to report back to you in the uh, pre-race show tomorrow. Wow, that's interesting. Hey, Chris, I missed right towards the end there. He said something was going to make this more difficult. I guess the analyzing of the tires. Do you, what was he saying about the more difficult part? It was because we had so many safety car laps. So the oh, issue yeah. with the tires has been on tires that were at least or around 20 laps old yesterday. Now, today's race was meant to be 19 laps. So Pirelli had made these changes, but they were also like, OK, we're going to get a good comparison with 20 lap old tires from yesterday, 19 lap old tires from today, plus a, an installation lap to the grid. Uh, and then obviously a cool down lap as well. Plus, as he mentioned, some drivers actually started on used tires. So they've, they've done even more. Uh, so they were like, OK, we're going to be able to analyze this. This will be fine. But because so many of the laps were done behind safety car, I'm, off the top of my head, I imagine we had, what, six of the 19 were behind safety car, six or seven. That means you've only got 12 or 13 racing laps on those tires. So they might not show the signs of the problem that they saw yesterday after today, but it might still exist. So that's why it's trickier for them to work out if the changes made to the track today solved the problem or if they're going to have to impose this mandatory three-stop race, which obviously they really don't want to do. They want to leave this to run as normal, but safety has to come first. Yeah. All right. Well, coming up right after this, we're going to talk about some of the other players today. George Russell, Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes and Fernando Alonso and some of the other results. You're listening to Speed City F1 back after a quick break. All right, boys, let's see what we got going out on YouTube and Facebook. Um, let's see. Joe of Oyster Bay says, I wonder if we can talk about the changes in finishing order tomorrow after the race because of track limits. That's right, Chris. I was looking at you had tweeted right before we went on air that there were potential investigations. There are indeed. Yep, they're ongoing. Uh, infringement for Charles Leclerc. And I reckon that's going to be a time penalty for him, which is going to promote. It is. It's a five-second time penalty. So that has promoted Alex Albon into uh, seventh and Fernando Alonso into eighth. Uh, there's also five seconds for Lance Stroll for the same reason. So, uh, yeah, that's um, that's changed the points order, but that's all it changes uh, in that sense. It's uh, it's not something that would change the grid for tomorrow. That was set by Friday. So so that's all locked in. But uh, what those track limits infringements have done uh, have changed the final order of the sprint. So. Uh, yeah, two points for Alex Albon, one for Fernando Alonso. Uh, and that's official? That is official, yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. What other questions out there? Uh, you know, Andy P. on that same subject says, agree, Joe, there needs to be some sort of other system. I wish I had an answer. Uh, but Austria and here have been ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a little rough. Um, I mean, like he didn't know that they were three wide yeah. um, and he then just felt Chris. I don't think he was away drifting so far. Yeah. Sorry, was chatting away to um, Nico Hockenberg's manager about what Esteban Ocon had to say. Uh, okay. Well, and speaking of what the guys on YouTube were just talking about is that how yesterday during Piastri's podiums or uh, yeah, podium celebration, they were interviewing him and he found out right then on the spot about <laughs> about delays and he joked about it today after uh after his win so yeah it, it's it's not it's very awkward isn't it all right we're coming back yeah yeah we can chat about that yeah
Hello to everyone. This is Gunter Steiner. This is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, before we talk about some of the uh, other finishers in the race today, we were talking during the break about some uh, track infringements and the change of the the order. Chris, you want to update everybody real quick on that again? Yeah, so uh, on the final lap, it got very, very tight between uh, Alex Albon and Charles Leclerc for seventh place. Leclerc held off Albon by four thousandths of a second at the line, so genuinely nearly a dead heat across the line, which must have been incredible. I haven't actually seen a replay of that yet. Uh, But then what happened was it came through that Leclerc had gone off track four times on that lap. So the stewards investigated. They also then investigated Lance Stroll for multiple track limits infringements as well during the race. And both have been given five-second time penalties added to their race time. So with that, we then have uh, Alex Albon moving up to seventh, and Fernando Alonso gets promoted up into eighth place. So uh, a point there for Alonso in the sprint. Uh, Stroll's penalty doesn't affect the points, uh, and none of those penalties affect tomorrow. They're all about just this final result. So no points now for Leclerc, who had finished seventh and scored two for Ferrari. Uh, so a good day, actually, for Mercedes in that battle. But uh, two points now for Albon, which is a, a big and I'd say unexpected result for Williams uh, in the sprint, given the fact that yeah. uh, they hadn't got near Q3 in, in either qualifying session this weekend. Uh, but yeah, uh, an extra two points for them in that battle for seventh in the constructors. Yeah, and you know, you, ha- you have to say that this is actually a, a pretty good weekend for Lance Stroll, or a good race, sprint race, I should say, not weekend, but sprint race after the weekend that he's had. Be, and and really the race is leading up to this because he's not that far behind his teammate today. And, you know, let's talk about that real quick, Dave. I, I really, as an ex-team manager in F1, I, I want to get your take on Lance Stroll because it's been a long time since we've seen, I want to call it a meltdown like this, like we saw yesterday and, and leading up to it, you know, his, his performance has been a meltdown almost lately. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yin and yang, isn't it? You know, the, they're just two two different people um, in in talent um, and the way they approach it. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's 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 difficult one to sum up, but he's just um, he's just not quick enough. I guess that's the easiest way to say it. But um, you know the the build up to it is he he can't use the tires to generate the um, the grip that uh, Fernando can. Um, and of course, you know, if you don't have the heat in the tires or keep the heat in the tires from the blankets, when you, once you leave the the pits, um, you, you just don't have the grip. Uh, if you don't have the grip, you can't trust the aero and you can't go around the corners as quick. And then, you know, when you come into the to the corners, uh, you can't use the brakes as they should be, which is to, you know, you lift off, get on the brakes, um, and you don't have the confidence to be able to to uh, go into the corner, you know, 50, 60 metres um, further ahead like Alonso does. So, you know, those are, they're, they're all small areas, you know, he's not he's not 10 seconds off him, you know, he's a second off him or seven tenths off him, but that that's a huge amount of time in uh, in F1. It's just, there's no room for it, really. Um, you just haven't got, you just haven't got the, um, the closeness between the drivers. Similar at Red Bull, you know, Perez is certainly... Yeah. Had, a, had a few few uh, fair fair mistakes ha- happen that haven't been his fault, but he's been destroyed by Verstappen. Um, that's that's one end of the program. Um, but also you can't you can't say that Alonso isn't isn't the man to beat anymore either. You know, give him the right car, I'm sure he'd go out and do the business. Um, 
So, yeah, it's difficult. Um, they're just not match teammates, quite clearly. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, Chris probably knows a little bit more what they're, who they're going to put in and whether they're going to carry on the, um, well, the pain with, with Stroll in the team. Hey, well, Dave, before yeah, we, I, I, I want to get go, go, go. Chris, before we go to you, I want to get your take on this and what happened yesterday, too. But, but Dave, if you're <laughs> if you're on that team, do you go to the big boss, uh, uh, Lawrence Stroll, Lance's father and say, it's time to make a change? <laughs> well, well, it's kind of it, you don't even have to do that. You know, when you have your debriefs, um, you know, you have a you have a basic debrief after the race. Everyone shuts their laptops, get on a plane, and go home. Then all the reports are are written up, um, and then you it, it's all written in black and white. You know, the, the reports go everywhere. You have your um, round the table debrief as well, um, and it's just clear. You know, uh, fast stuff is probably not quick enough. Under braking, he's not there. Accelerating out of the um, out of the slow corners, he's probably not there because he hasn't got the the traction um and then also you know you, you kind of that's one thing but also you're going to listen to the quickest driver and the quickest driver is setting the car up for himself you know it just doesn't suit uh lance so he's he's now at a disadvantage because he can't drive the car that they're bringing to the track which suits alonso therefore the gap is now starting to to um be reasonably sizable um, but yeah, I mean, who's going to tell, who's going to tell the boss his son can't play anymore, you know? <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, it's that last point that's key. Uh, I really think it would need to come from internally elsewhere that there would actually have to be almost like a mutiny, um, which is just not going to happen. The way the team were defending Lance after yesterday with the shove on his personal coach, um, which basically every other personal coach I've done this paddock said was bang out of order. They were very angry about seeing, but what was annoying more to a number of them, was the fact that Aston Martin made the excuses for him when he does that. You're allowed to lose your rag sometimes. You're allowed to, you know, almost you know, make a mistake as a human being. This is high-pressure sport anyway. And yeah, sure, you might get to a point where you do something silly and push someone out of the way. But then they kind of brush it under the carpet like it wasn't a big deal and they don't need to worry. Or they then start to act like, oh, it wasn't even an issue between the two of them. And, and Lance is allowed to go kind of unchecked in that behavior. And you can just see in the demeanor that actually it's it's not reflecting well on the team, but it, it's making them tense. They're worried about what they say, whether they criticize or not. So it, it does build up in that sense that I think we're going to see it maybe comes ahead at some point uh, internally if it continues this way. Flip side, we have seen him be good at times. Uh, earlier in the year, especially, he was actually very impressive uh, coming back from that injury. But it's just tailed off in such a strange fashion. Yes. That there just seems to be no way of getting out of this rut right now. And and. I expected the opposite to happen. I thought he'd kind of, over time, get more and more comfortable with the car. And instead, he seems to have got less and less. Yeah, it, like you said, it's so strange. And and the way he's reacted this weekend, and and Chris, correct me if I got this wrong, but he gets out of the car, his trainer comes over and tells him that he's got to go to the scales and weigh like you normally do. And he's pushing through that. And then he goes, just as he's going out of camera view, it looks like he's shoving his his trainer yes exactly that so the drivers are told they have to walk up the pit lane um because the fia wants to see exactly where they go to go and get weighed when they get out the car after qualifying because they used to be able to go out to the back of the garage and make their own way to the fia garage some lead in their pockets yeah exactly (laughs) you could technically have something happen where there's no cameras through the back of the garage so like only come through the front so that's been made clear to them and i checked this with another another driver coach who said yes 
uh, Miami, they got a stern telling about it. Um, so from there, it's then evolved uh, into, right, uh, his trainer saying to him, you've got to go out the front. And, and Lance was trying to walk out the back. Uh, and he was uh, stopped or, or physically like stopped by his trainer and brushed past him. And that seemed okay. Uh, but his trainer was adamant that it couldn't be that way. So went and stepped in front of him again, just as they were going out a shot around the corner. And that is where Lance appeared to give him a pretty firm push. So, yeah, it, it kind of seemed to be boiling over at the back. And then they went out a shot and and we don't have the firm answer to that one. So um, that's where we're at. But anyway, I've now grabbed today's race winner, Oscar Piastri. Yes. Uh, the first McLaren race winner of this season. Yeah. Uh, how does that feel? Um, yeah, it feels very special. Of course, it's, it's not got quite the same feeling as a race win, I'll be honest, but, um, no, very, very happy with, uh, with what we've managed to achieve today. Obviously set up myself in the, the best position possible this morning and, um, yeah, pretty chaotic sprint, uh, as sprints go. So I'm no, happy we, uh, we managed to navigate all of that and, uh, and come out on top. Oh, and what have you learned from that ready for tomorrow? Because from six, can you get back up to the podium and, and get something that I guess feels a bit more special if you say today isn't quite the same as a race win? Uh, we can try. Um, I think a race win tomorrow is going to be extremely difficult, but um, we'll, we'll try our best. I think, you know, the soft is good for a five lap race, it seems. Um, you know, we've got to see what the, the rules are for, for tomorrow's race. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what we can do. But I think definitely the pace is, is better than where we're starting. Oh, we look forward to seeing it. Well done today. And that was my cue to jump off because I was allowed to speak to him until I reached Pirelli in the uh, paddock. Because as you can imagine, there's a, an absolute scrum of people wanting to speak to Oscar Piastri. So uh, <laughs> apologies if anyone wanted to hear more from him at that point. But we'll try and get him pretty nice, tomorrow nice as well. Nice catch, Chris. Nice catch. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Nice catch. Um, well, look, we were we were talking about Stroll and, and all that. And there'll be plenty to talk about this because it's it's really a... It's fascinating. It's a shame. I, I feel bad for him, but you know, it's just such a, a crazy situation going on with Lance Stroll. So, um, well, we got a couple of minutes left in this segment. Let's let's talk about some of the other, you know, the other team teams today, like Mercedes, for example. Um, and Chris, are you? Did you say you were going to jump off, or are you still there? No, I'm still here. That was um, that was just me having to get out of a, a few people's way, but I am still very much here and. Uh, yeah, as you say, Mercedes, very good day for them in the end. Yeah. Given the fact that Ferrari now have lost that extra couple of points as well with Charles Leclerc. Um, and we talk about there, as Oscar's pointed out, just five laps further soft. That's all you can get out of it. But George Russell held on for a fourth place with those softs. It worked for them. Uh, okay, he started, well, he started from fourth, didn't he? So in that sense, didn't lose out at all. Um, and then with the, did he start? Someone can correct me if I'm wrong there because it's hot hey, and look. I'm losing my mind. But uh, I don't know if one of the Ferraris picked into fourth. He started fourth. George, yeah, he started I think fourth. George started fourth. There we go. So, um, yeah, so that was that was actually, you know, no nothing lost from that point of view. And then Lewis Hamilton on the mediums, having dropped out in sprint Q2, came through to fifth. So, yeah, obviously they're not the big points that you get in a Grand Prix. But from probably where they were heading into that race and with the gamble of the softs, I reckon... That's a, that's a really good outcome for, for Mercedes today. And they've been starting to come under a bit of pressure from Ferrari in recent weeks. So I, I think that's a, a good response from them. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's just, this is kind of what Mercedes has done all season, where you don't really realize how good they're doing. And they're, they are second in the Constructors' Championship, ahead of Ferrari. <laughs> and uh, they've just kind of done this all season. And, uh, and, and I, I do want to make a comment about George Russell. Right at the end of the race there, with just a handful of laps left, he was 
he was uh, saying, we got to pit, we got to pit, we got to come in, we got to get rid of these tires because I'm just going to get swallowed up by everybody on the medium tires. And um, the team were like, adamant, no. I mean, uh, Dave, uh, you think that team's probably right. He probably would have ended up losing a lot more spots, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the team can see they've, they've got hundreds of eyes. He's just got his one pair. Um, they're taking <laughs> pictures of uh, of the tyre at certain corners, feeding it back for measurements to the factory. Um, and then, of course, you know, they can see the pressure changes um, over, over the, uh, the TPMS system. So they can see whether they're losing temperature via, via pressure. Um, so they, they, they made the right decision for sure. All right. Well, coming up after this, we are going to talk a little bit more off topic from Qatar. We're going to talk about Andretti and what all went on with that. Obviously, huge news this week. And uh, and we'll have a little more from the Qatar Grand Prix. You listen to Speed City back after these messages. All right, uh, Chris, we got. No, no, I, I saw it popped up. So, um, I wanted to say something about Stroll. I just thought of something because, you know, to me, the only person that could really, like Dave said, the data can say it, right? The data can tell Lawrence that his son is not doing well. But what other investors? I know that Lawrence is the major investors, but maybe another investor. I, I don't know the breakdown. Do you know, Chris? Do you know, Dave? So in terms of Aston Martin, Lagonda, the group as a whole, Geely, uh, the Chinese car company, is a major investor. Uh, but that they've kind of kept the two entities separate. Uh, so I don't think their investment extends directly to the F1 team. Uh, the consortium he put together, it was always very quiet, really, about who was exactly involved in that. He was fronting. He was the leader of that consortium, of that group of investors, uh, and the main shareholder, originally at least, um, of the F1 team. But I don't know how, yeah, who else was involved within that. But I just don't think there's anyone with the power, I guess, and, um, and the input uh, to really rival Lawrence in that sense. Yeah. And, and Dave, what about the disruption to the team? You know, this is, you've got this fantastic story of Alonso coming back and doing so well when he comes to the team. And, and, uh, and it's totally distracted by what's going on now, these last few races, and, of course, what's happened this weekend. Yeah, John, you you kind of, you know, hit the nail on the head there. It, it's almost, um, you know, to try and describe it, I have been in one team where there's been um, effectively a paying driver, as they're called. Um, and hmm. we'll, we'll pick it up. We'll yeah, pick it up. Okay. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, we're going to talk about Andretti in just a minute, but we were talking during the break, and former Haas F1 team manager Dave O'Neill is with us, and he, we, I asked him the question about Lawrence Stroll, Lance Stroll, and the trouble that Lance is having, how it's a distraction to the team, and Dave was talking about he's been in a similar situation. Yeah, it, it's kind of, you know, they call them the paying drivers and then you obviously have to have, um, you know, professional, if you like, 
um, to be able to maximize everything on the car every time it goes out. Um, and I can probably liken it to playing a game of soccer um, and you have someone that is kind of waiting around uh, for the ball to drop at their feet. Um, eventually, people get bored with it. Um, and it depends whether it's your dad's team or not, whether you get picked, you know. So um, I guess it's, it's hard. The, the other hard thing which you have to look forward to is that next year uh, with the new engine uh, power unit, I think it's next year, 2026, when they'll they have the new power unit. Um, they're probably going to go through struggles there as well because they're they're going to put something in the car that hasn't been tested. Um, and then, if you haven't got someone who can give the correct feedback, you start stepping back uh, rather than moving forward. But he, um, you know, someone's going to have to make a decision. And of course, you know, it comes down to money in the end. If 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 you are, if you're not getting the points. And you haven't to feed the team. Um, someone's going to get bored of that, and the points are made up by the drivers and the team, obviously. Um, and if you're not scoring like Alonso is, I mean, it, it, can you imagine? Can you imagine having uh, Lance scoring? You know, just behind um, Alonso, where they'd be in the championship. You know, look at the money you're losing out there for a constructors' fund uh, at the end of the season. So, you know, it does come down to the money. Um, and unfortunately, he's he's you know he's there because he has the money. Mm. So. Well, just on that, uh, when you talk about the, what it comes down to in terms of cost in the constructors' championship, asked the team principal about this earlier today, who said it was a rough estimate because they didn't have the numbers in front of them. But off the top of their head, they thought it was around forty million was the difference. And I'm pretty sure they're talking dollars. Forty million dollars was the difference between second or fifth in the constructors' championship, and that is kind of what Aston Martin could be looking at wow. if it had a pair of drivers that were scoring as regularly. You think about the, the points they could have had on the board in the first half of the season from two that were as closely matched as, say, the Ferrari drivers or even the Alpine drivers, if you look how closely matched those two are, uh, the Mercedes drivers as well. So, admittedly, not easy to come by. And Fernando Alonso is a very high standard for them to try and get to. Hmm. But that's where the, the gap has, has opened up from. So that's potentially how expensive it could become. Uh, yeah, I was... I was thinking about Alonzo yesterday when the and actually during even on Friday practice watching the sand and the wind and how he was just he was doing so well and every time it rains he he's just amazing and I I it's amazing to to watch him now but but yeah Chris that's a heck of a birthday present or Christmas present 40 million dollars a year to to keep you on the team because that's what it's actually costing them to keep Lance in that seat but uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying this because the last few races, you're right. He has done well, and he surprised me over the years many times when I start to think that, is he just there because of his dad? And he does well enough. He's he certainly earned the right to be in Formula One, but right now he's not doing what it takes to stay in Formula One. So uh, let's I think that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, that's a very fair yeah. way of putting it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's pivot. Let's talk about Andretti because... This is the news we've been waiting for for a long time. And this week it was officially announced that the FIA approves Andretti Cadillac Racing after this rigorous process that we've been going through for, what, a year. And so the FIA has approved them. And and if you're not a big fan, if you don't follow it that close, that's not the that's there's more to come because now Formula One themselves has to reach an agreement with Andretti and and finalize this because this doesn't automatically put them on the grid 
There's lots of money issues to talk about, but it has been a huge story, Chris. And we had a good time talking about it on Wheel to Wheel on Wednesday, but but pretty incredible story, huh? Yeah, it is. I think actually it's becoming an even more incredible one the longer it's gone on since that announcement because we've been getting uh, reactions from team members and drivers this week here uh, and you start to see the split in opinions you start to see the vested interests really come out even more strongly uh in, in a sense i feel like it started to show some cracks between the reasons the teams are giving for why they don't think there should be expansion uh because some of them contradict each other uh and i can tell you i, I actually just walked down the paddock uh, having headed down to see if there was anyone at Aston Martin we could speak to in there, and there wasn't, sadly. Uh, so as I was on my way back, I noticed um, essentially the the number twos to both Stefano Domenicali and Mohamed Bensuliem, so one from F1 and one from the FIA, were deep in discussions for a long time. Uh, there's there's a proper war going on between those two factions. You've got the FIA <laughs> having approved Andretti and now put Formula One in the position of having to, in a sense, find a reason why not to accept them. Uh, and I'm not so sure that there's a, a clear one they can give. But for some reason, Formula One doesn't want to expand this grid. They want to stick with the 10 they've got. So it's, yeah, it's getting a little bit tense in that sense, because uh, clearly now it's also a battle of, well, who wins? You know, if Andretti get in, the FIA can see it as a win or Ben Suleyan can see it as a win. Uh, and if they don't, then Domenicali can see it as a win uh, for whatever their reasons may be individually for why they want each uh, outcome. So, yeah, it's getting it's getting tasty in that sense politically, uh, and I think only going to get more so because it's hard to see a firm reason why not to accept that entry based on this being a sport that is an open competition that has space on the grid to have another team come in. But you understand why the individual teams are protecting their own value and their own commercial interests and their own business models because, well, why wouldn't you? Um, you you'd fully expect that you'd want to do that. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's one of those reasons where or one of those aspects uh, where it's uh, it's kind of at loggerheads what the teams want uh, and what maybe should happen. Well, I thought it was interesting, the driver reactions, too, because some of the biggest name drivers were actually more positive towards Andretti, including Hamilton, Alonso and even Verstappen was was the tone was more positive. I, I was a little surprised. Uh, I don't know why, but I, that was, I thought I was pleasantly surprised at those three. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I was trying to catch uh, Jos Verstappen's eye. Then he's just been uh, celebrating a little bit, and I wonder if I could ask for a question. But he's uh, rightly got a beer in his hand to go and celebrate. Because <laughs> I think if Max can't, then uh, Jos is going to for him. Um, so I totally missed your question while I was focusing on that. Say I was just saying that it was <laughs> it was interesting to hear the drivers comment on Andretti, the positive mm. comments, like from Hamilton and from Alonso, and even from Verstappen had a, a, a positive tone. Yeah, although Hamilton seemed to uh, backtrack the following day as if he got a, a call from his boss to say, <laughs> don't say that. Because Lewis did say himself, he's like, you know, I've got those people in this team that won't let me saying this. But he yeah. made the point that for him, it was an 11th team. And this is where a big part of the issue comes in. For the Andretti bid has been accepted, so they are now the only 11th team that could be added. But all of the opposition that we're getting, or most of it, I will say, is not specific to Andretti. It's to an 11th team, whoever it was. In the same way that Lewis Hamilton then clarified, he thinks it'd be better for everyone to have an 11th team. And a lot of the drivers say something similar in terms of extra cars on grid is more exciting, more competition, more, more chances for other drivers. They're not necessarily saying... Andretti's great, although a lot of them, as you as you pointed out, John, did highlight the the name and the history there. But it, it's one of those where actually the fact that 
the grid could expand is what they're really commenting on and not the specific details of the Andretti bid. Uh, so it, it kind of clouds things when you do get both arguments. I can see why some fans get very upset that uh, it feels like a snub against Andretti directly uh, and a number of team bosses, including, uh, I must say today, Gunter Steiner was talking about it, uh, was very clear. He said, I've got absolutely nothing against Michael or GM and actually that bid looks great as a, as a bid um, for a team you're putting together. But I don't think we should have an 11th team. And it could be anyone we're talking about. The, you know, I don't want to see more expansion because right now it looks like it would probably hurt the value of my team. And that's what I'm protecting. If, they can, if Formula One can prove to me that whichever the new team is coming in doesn't do that and I'm not hurt by it, then absolutely I will, uh, I will say yes or I'll be open mm. to it because it's only improving things for my team. And that's, that's what I'm here for. Mm. Yeah, I, I just don't. Uh, I'm it's funny. I'm going to go full circle on this because when it first was talked about that Andretti could do this, I was like, how could they so say no to Andretti? And then I started to see, of course, the the bigger picture a little bit. And I was like, OK, let's take a breath and think about this. And then when Andretti brought Cadillac with them, I was like, OK, how can you say no to this? And then there are the rumors of, of you know, other people. And then Ford jumps in with Red Bull. But I'm going to come full circle and say, I don't see how they say no at this point. I really don't. I yes, I'm sure that it's going to come down to that the fees that they're going to have to pay and um and because I do think that 200 million dollars which was agreed upon already is probably too small a number. Uh but I don't know if they're going to try to get some insane number like 5 or 600 million dollars from Andretti but uh but I don't know but Dave, I, we literally just have about 30 seconds for your contributions on that. What do you think? Well, we've had more teams six years ago, so, you know, I can't see the problem. Um, I think they're two great names to bring into uh, into the sport. Um, it's not, you know, they're not making any names up. Um, and, of course, we'd love to see some American drivers. We've got three races in this country. so yep. And they've promised you know, them. Yeah. I I don't know. I I can't give a solid answer why why we shouldn't. Why it's just why we should. You know, it's been done before. Uh, they're bringing less freight to the garages, flying it around the world, so there's room in the garages. Um, for another two cars, you know, surely you can fit them in. Yeah, and Andretti has said all along that they are going to bring at least one American driver. And there's been lots of speculation. Of course, Colton Herta's name kept coming up. It's been a lot of time passed since that was originally talked about. But but we're out of time. Speaking of time, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. But, of course, tomorrow our Sunday coverage starts at um, noon Eastern tomorrow with our pre-race show and then the race right here. And then immediately afterwards, our post-race show. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks, Dave O'Neill, for joining us from Circuit of the Americas. And thanks, Chris. Good job out there today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>